such a joy to be here with you all this morning. I started crying in first service because I was so happy, and I'm trying to like hold it back right now. But um, it really is such a joy to be here and to be able to just uh, share what God's put on my heart uh, over the last couple months uh, with you here today. Um, so, like Danielle mentioned, um, and as many of you know, I moved from Santa Barbara to Indianapolis about three years ago. And as you can imagine, uh, Indy is just a little bit different than Santa Barbara. <laughs> um, while Indy has many wonderful things that I enjoy, there are also challenges as well, especially for a girl who was born and raised in California. Uh, part of my culture shock so far has been this thing called winter. Perhaps you've heard of it. <laughs> Uh, maybe you've read about it in books or seen it in movies, but uh, winter is really no joking matter, uh, at least not when it lasts longer than it should. <laughs> this year's winter was particularly long. There was an unseasonably warm week in February where our hopes got raised that spring was coming and we were all excited, but then on March, 20, on March 26th, it snowed 10 inches. And then on Easter morning, this is a photo from Easter. It felt like God was playing an April Fool's joke on us. <laughs> now, I love snow. I really do. At least at the beginning of winter when it's Christmas and it's new and everything's white and crisp and clean. But as winter wears on, the more restless I become. In fact, I even reached a point where I doubted that spring was ever going to come again. And I would ask Josh, my husband, who's from Indiana, and he's a Hoosier weather expert, um, do you think spring will ever come? And he said, spring's coming. Trust me. No matter how long you think winter will last, spring will always come. And so in the midst of waiting for spring to come, I had to learn to be patient and wait. <laughs> and I couldn't just restlessly sit and wait for spring. So I made the most of the waiting season. We invited people over to have dinner. We played game nights. We just had people do puzzles with us. We went and worked out at the gym. We took long walks in the snow. Anything to make the most of the time before spring, before the renewal of all things green and good. I don't know about you, but we don't wait very well, do we? <laughs> Today I want to share with you the tale of two kingdoms who lay in wait and why what they did while they waited mattered. The first comes from our Bibles and can be found in the book of Acts. We just read it earlier during uh, the service. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and the disciples have been told to wait for his return. They don't know when he will come back or what it will look like. Jesus promises them the Holy Spirit, but they don't know what to expect. All they know is that they should remain faithful until he returns. Before he left the disciples, Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, there are two key words in this passage. The first is martus, which is the Greek word for witness. It means one who is mindful or one who testifies. It is not a passive word, but it is an active one. The second is dunamis, which is the Greek word for power. In this sense, meaning ability or efficacy or energy. 
Jesus is telling his disciples that through the Holy Spirit, we have the energy to testify about the coming kingdom. And we get to see a vision of that kingdom almost immediately in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, filling the believers with power, ability, efficacy, energy. We see immediate results of this in the speaking of tongues, the sharing of the good news of the redemptive kingdom being shared in native languages so all can hear and be a part of it. And this is the point where we usually stop reading the Pentecost story. But there's more. After Peter testifies about the death and resurrection of Christ, Acts 2, 42 through 47 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word saved in this passage from the Greek root sozo, which translated means saved, is much deeper than our initial thoughts of what being saved means. It means being healed, preserved, or rescued. Theologian N.T. Wright says, the work of salvation in its full sense is about whole human beings, not merely souls, about the present, not simply the future, and about what God does through us, not merely what God does in us and for us. This good news means that when Christ died for us, he not only died to reconcile us to him personally, but to reconcile all people, all things, all creation to him, to make things good as it once was in the beginning. The believers in Acts, not knowing when Christ was to return, threw their energy into bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Imagine that you were one of the disciples who had seen Jesus' ministry before Pentecost. The scriptures say that there was about 120 of them there that day that had been there with Jesus previously. And you were a part of this small group of mostly Galilean followers of Jesus. But imagine what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost. Now 3,000 people from diverse backgrounds and all walks of life choose to follow Jesus as well. This unity and spirit and mission and calling in the midst of diversity brings new energy to the ministry. Called to be agents of love and justice, these people cared for the poor, they shared meals together, they prayed together. Through small, simple acts of faith, these believers ushered in the kingdom of God. And so I want, what I want to say to you today is what we do while we wait for Christ's return, matters. Following Jesus is not just an internal decision, but also an external response. As Christ followers, we pursue justice. We pursue reconciliation. We pursue wholeness as we actively wait for the kingdom to be realized. And that's the tale of the first kingdom. The tale of the second kingdom comes from a little-known book and movie series named The Lord of the Rings. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I know you thought you could escape a time in which I, Alicia, did not bring up the Lord of the Rings in conversation, but you are wrong. <laughs> and I understand that some of you may not be as familiar with this story or as nerdy as me, so I'll break down the story for you. <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings, there is a land in mythical Middle-earth that has been ruled by humans, and it's called Gondor. While Gondor once had a king to shepherd and care for the people, there has not been a king for quite some time. The people are waiting for the promised return of the king to the throne. And in their waiting, they have appointed stewards to care for the kingdom in the king's absence. At this point in the story, the stewards have governed for hundreds of years, and the people have begun to grow tired of waiting for the return of the king. The king was promised to come and make all things right. But this current steward, Denethor, has grown especially apathetic and power-hungry in his time of waiting. He, too, has lost hope, as he is also grieving the loss of his eldest son. In this scene we are about to watch, Gandalf, the good wizard, has, uh, is confronting Denethor and warning him of an impending attack from the evil Lord Sauron of Mordor. He encourages Denethor to light the beacons to send a distress signal to Gondor's ally, Rohan, in order to protect the kingdom. Let's see what happens next. In this scene, we see Gandalf explaining to Pippin the Hobbit the ways in which the people of Gondor have both preserved their kingdom and also harmed their kingdom. The people of Gondor often misplace their priorities. You may have heard in that clip that the steward's built tombs more majestic than the houses of the living. They spent more time in their palaces rather than caring for the people they were meant to serve. As time wore on, the stewards lost sight of their calling and became focused on appearances rather than actually doing the right thing. And some, like Denethor, grew tired of waiting and fell into the temptation of grabbing power. They took advantage of the position they had been given and abused their authority to the detriment of others. Denethor was also allowing grief to corrupt him rather than to propel him in his mission as steward. And I want to note that it is inevitable that we will encounter real pain in our lives. But how we respond to that grief is important. Rather than trying to bottle it all up inside or distance ourselves from that real pain, we have to be willing to face it, to embrace it, to sit with it, but also to work our way through it and to not get stuck there. Denethor has lost hope. He wallows in his grief, and he allows apathy and resentment to take over. And in this story, we also see that some people still have hope. Many guards still protected the white tree of Gondor, the symbol of the health of the kingdom. Even though it looked dead, they believed that the rightful king would sit on the throne again one day, and the tree would be restored, and the kingdom would be restored. And others also actively anticipated the renewal of the kingdom. When Denethor the steward refused to send the distress signal by lighting the beacons to call on his allies for their support, the least likely individual stepped in. Let's see how Pippin changes the future of Gondor in this next clip. That's one of my favorite clips in the Lord of the Rings, and I'm so glad I got to make you watch it. <laughs> but the lesson here is that Pippin refused to idly wait for the king to return. 
he actively cared for the kingdom of Gondor by sending a message to Rohan so others could come alongside in protecting the city. This small act of faithfulness in caring for the people of Gondor left a huge impact as they were no longer alone in fighting against the evil powers of Mordor. A wise man once said, Some believe that it is only great power that can hold evil in check, but that is not what I have found. It is the small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. Just as Pippin's small act of courage made way for the return of the king to Gondor, so it is that small acts of spirit-filled courage further the kingdom of God. Noel Castellanos writes that Pentecost Sunday reminds us that waiting is a common experience that bonds us as human beings across all ages. As Christ followers, waiting on God is all too familiar. We are a people called to wait. We are called to wait even in the midst of divisions and hatred and injustice. We are called to wait yet actively engage in prophetic witness that proclaims and demonstrates the goodness of God. And so as we prepare to head out into the world this week, let us look inward and consider our own lives. Who do you identify with in the tale of these two kingdoms? And how do we remain faithful in our waiting for the kingdom to be fully realized? Have we lost hope in the return of our king and misplaced our priorities like the stewards? Are we like the guards of the white tree, having hope that the king will return, but maybe we're anxious and unsure of what that looks like? Or do we see ourselves in the life of Pippin, and similarly those in the early church in Acts chapter 2, who actively sought out the kingdom and acted in ways that pursued wholeness and the restoration of the world? So as we reflect, let us consider how we might use our unique gifts and talents in our communities, our workplaces, our schools, and our homes to further the kingdom of God as we wait. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.